note, um, Brooke, her request for peace and comfort. Brooke and Andrew McDermott, their daughter, born 11-3, died 11-4 from numerous problems. I'm not sure who that is, but the uh, McDermott family to our list. If you have your Bible, um, this was great. I uh, pronounced the book, what I was going to do this morning. And I won't say what section where this came from, but afterwards I was told, there's no such book in our Bible. <laughs> really? And it, I don't know where it is. So I will tell you in my Bible, it's 1,392. Habakkuk is where we'll be this morning. 1,392 is where we are. Um, it is there, I promise you. So if you haven't looked in a while, go all the way to the end of your Old Testament, come back. To your left, a couple pages, and you will find it. I'm excited about having the opportunity to share with you. And really, what's neat is this morning is as we um, gather around the Word of God, we're going to get a chance. As I was looking at Dr. David Jeremiah, as he was uh, giving some information about this book, you really get a chance to to see some interaction between a prophet and, and his God. A lot of times, a prophet would come and say, "Hey, this is the message," and now we get a chance to watch a prophet dialogue with God. And uh, what's exciting is, as you watch this prophet dialogue, I think it's, it's good for us. I think we can see it in the book of Job. But I think it's good for us to be open and honest with our God. Open discussion with our God. Saying really, because as you look at the book of Habakkuk, you could say, Lord, we really need to have a discussion. And this is really what it is, back and forth, a discussion. And so as you go through this book, um, it's just three chapters. Uh, what I want you to do to know is, you, before you even get started... In this book, and if you have some time, you can go back and look in 2 Kings chapter 23, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 35 and 36. As you get to this book, you need to know that there was a revival that took place beforehand. And so this prophet had seen God do some amazing things. And now this prophet, as he comes to this book and as he's going to dialogue with God, he's really upset with God. Because the people that said they had this relationship with Jesus... It, did, it only lasted for a very short period of time. And so this prophet is now going to allow you to look through what I call a glasses. Or a filter would be maybe another way that you could look through this. You're going to get a chance to watch Habakkuk look through the filter of his disappointment in God. He's going to say, God, you did this. And we watched some amazing things happen. Now, God, we're over here, and the people that say they have this relationship are now the ones that are causing us who want to have this relationship with the Lord, want to live our lives before you as righteous. They're making it hard, God. And as you go through uh, this book, you'll get a chance to see this prophet say, God, life really isn't fair. And so he's going to make a statement and he's going to say some things to his God and then God's going to answer him back. And what's really cool is, as God answers him back, God answers him in ways the prophet would have never, ever expected. So it was almost like the prophet was saying, okay, God, I want to keep you right here in this box. This is the way I think the world should should take place and focus and live and this is how it should all be because of who you are, God. And God says, great, I want you to know who I am, but I'm going to work outside of the box. I'm going to make sure that you know 
that I am your God. And I want to make sure that you and I have a relationship more than just a relationship of what we know. See, this prophet knew information. But he didn't allow what he knew to filter down into the way he was going to live his life. If you have your Bible, go verse, look at me in verse 1. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you don't save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict. It abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so the just is perverted. I want you to stop there. This prophet is asking a question. Now it's interesting as you think about the question, he could, you can maybe phrase it this way. God, do you know what's going on here? God, do you know that the wicked are putting pressure on the righteous? God, are you paying attention God, I've been talking to you, crying out to you, asking you for help for a long time. God, you don't answer. What's wrong with you? You see that? And how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Maybe God was going to allow this prophet to learn what it means to wait. How many of you like to wait? I didn't think so. And so as this prophet is watching these things go around, he's really saying to his, God, to his God that he knows, and you'll get a chance to see, he knows some characteristics about this God. But he's saying, you know what, God? I know that, but I'm not really ready to trust you yet. God, I want to complain to you. God, I want to let you have it. Hey, God, this is what I'm really feeling. God, you need to do something now. Wake up and do something. Because, God, this is what's happening down here. There's injustice. Why do you tolerate wrong? There's destruction. There's violence before me. There's strife. There's conflict. It abounds. God, what are you doing? And what's fascinating is is this little next uh, chunk of Scripture is God is responding. Look at verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if I were to tell you. Stop right there. Don't read on. Right now, this prophet is really excited. Because I believe as you think about this prophet, he's looking through the eyeglass of selfishness. He's looking through this filter of saying, God, you need to be fair. God, I'm living for you. God, I want to be righteous. I want to do the right thing when nobody else is looking. That's what my heart is, God. But God, you're not allowing this to happen. So God responds to him. God says, I'm going to do something that you'll never even imagine. Now, if you think about this with me, this prophet who's probably pretty selfish is really excited at this statement. He can't wait for God to get even. He can't wait for God to say, you know what, and step back and watch. Watch these people pay. He's so excited. God, you put the whoop down on them. God, you spank them because, God, they're not right, and life is really fair, God. So you take it out on them. That's not all that's in there. But as I read through and I think my way through this passage, 
That's what I see. And what I see is this, is verse 6. I am rising up the Babylonians. Now, if you want to spend some time, and you can read the rest of your way down, all the way over to verse 11. The Babylonians were ruthless. And so as he started out this conversation with God, God, you're letting the wicked people oppress the righteous. God, that's not fair. God said, fine, I really want to blow your mind and I'm going to really take you outside the box. Guess what? I'm going to send more wicked people. And they're going to oppress you. And you're not going to get your way. And as you, as you read your way through, these people swept across the earth to seize dwelling places not their own. In verse 7, they are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own, their own honor. And God was going to say to this prophet, I'm not done with you yet. I know that you want me to make these people pay, but I haven't, I'm not finished with getting your attention. And it's really interesting, and you'll see this here in just a second. It's almost like God was going to say, in order for me to get to your heart, in order for me to really get your attention, I'm going to make it worse before it's going to get better. I'm going to rock your world in a way that you never even thought possible because I want you to hunger and thirst for me. So you better get ready. Because I'm sure in the prophet's wildest dreams, he would have never thought God would use Babylonians. Never. And what's fascinating is, as you read along, and you will see this, you will see the transition of the thought process and the heart of this prophet. Oh yeah, he's been open and honest with God, and I don't think that's wrong. But he's looking through a filter saying, God, you need to be fair. God, you need to be just. And really, as you think about that filter, what he's really saying, God, this really needs to be all about me. Life really needs to be all about me, God. I'm not really interested in you molding and shaping my heart. I just want to follow a God that's powerful, that puts the whip down on people that are wrong. I want to follow that God. I want the God that's going to make my life easy. That's the God I want to follow. Verse 12. You get a chance to see some of the depth of the prophet. This guy's not just any old guy walking down the street. He knows some characteristics about his God. Look at verse uh, 12. O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you are... Uh, appointed them to execute judgment. Oh, rock, you've ordained them to punish. Your eyes are pure to look on to, to uh, your eyes are pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate these treacheries? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Wait a minute, God. There's some things that I know about you. God, I know that you're from everlasting. God, I know that you're holy. God, I know that your eyes are pure. pure. God, why, why are you doing this? I can't answer for God. But my thought is, 
that God wanted to get to this, this prophet's heart. That God wanted this prophet to say, I surrender. That I need help. I really think that God wanted the prophet to say this. God, in the middle of the circumstances, I'll trust you. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it. But in the middle of what's going on around us, God, I'm just going to trust you because I know you're from everlasting. God, I know that you're pure. God, I know that you're holy. It's interesting that this prophet knew it here. But the prophet didn't step back when all the stuff was going on, when things weren't fair, and the prophet didn't step back and say, wait a minute, I know truth. I just need to trust my father. He must have a plan here. He must want to work something out. No, God, it's not fair. No, God, life needs to be about me. He had intellectual knowledge, but he did not have depth of soul. He knew God here, but he really didn't know God here. And so God would say, great, I want you to know me here, but I really want to know you to know me inside of your soul. So when it doesn't make sense, you can step back and say, hold on a second. God, I know you're there. God, I know you're from everlasting. No matter what situation. I shared that a little bit with first hour, and then I said what you've already prayed. Why are we worried about Tuesday? Our God's from everlasting. Why are we worried about Wednesday? Our God is from everlasting. And so this morning, and, and maybe, we're, maybe we're worried because we don't think life is going to be fair if something changes. Or life is going to get harder for us. We don't want anything to be harder. We just want it to be simple. Hey, God, just make me happy today. That's not the way God works. As you walk your way through Scripture, God doesn't make life easy. God sends things into your circumstances, so he sends circumstances into your life so that he will break. And then you will say, God, I need you today. That's what he's doing to this prophet. He wants this prophet to be broken. And he's going to do it in a way that the prophet didn't even, didn't even recognize. Now I want you to go to chapter 2. And I want to show you something in chapter 2. So you've heard some of the prophets complaining. You've heard some of his anger. And now I want you to see how God's going to respond to the prophet. After he said, I'm going to use Babylon, the guy says, Lord, what, what's going on? How can you use wicked people? This is what the Lord says in chapter 2 and verse 2. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herder may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous will live by what? Faith. You need to circle that verse. Highlight that word faith. 
You mean to tell me that God was going to make this prophet walk through all of this so that you and I could read the righteous live by faith? In the midst when life wasn't fair, the wicked were prospering, God's going to send in more wicked people, and God wanted these people to know, hey, you live by faith. So I've been asking myself, faith, what's faith? This is how I define faith. Fully abiding in the Holy Scriptures. Fully abiding in the Holy Scriptures. I'm clinging to the Word of God. It's true. So when things get crazy and when life isn't fair, when God sends things, I don't know if you've ever been in situations where it just seems like everything goes wrong and it's almost like God just makes, okay, I'll make it all go wrong and so they just throw up their hands and say, I give up. God is allowing all those things to go wrong so you will throw up your hands and say, hey, I'm trusting you. I was praying this morning thinking, you know what, God? I can do nothing of eternal value in my own strength. I'm useless. I'm worthless. Thank God there's nothing good in me. Nothing. Would you help me today? Because I'm desperate. I need some help. Because if I'm like the prophet, and if you're like the prophet, I know what we do. We will read something that is written down, and we say, man, that's really kind of cool. But when the Holy Spirit starts to work, we'll just keep the glasses on. We'll just keep the filter, whatever it might be. Your filter might be anger. Your filter might be bitterness. I don't, we could go on for hours about your filter, Okay. What's interesting is, if whatever it is, will you take that filter and say, Jesus, I'm going to give it to you. Whatever you're thinking about and saying, you know what, God, life isn't fair, and because, and you fill in the because, and we can spend hours filling in the becauses. Well, God, I didn't live in this house. Well, God, this happened. Well, God, this happened. Well, God, this happened. Well, God, this happened. Yeah, it happened all for a purpose, all for a plan. For you to say, I surrender. For you to say, I'm not... And we could go on for years. I watch people for years wear the glasses of bitterness. For years. And all God wants them to do. And we can talk and talk and talk and pray and read scripture and pray and read scripture. But they won't let go of the bitterness filter. They won't let it go. And until the Holy Spirit says, let it down. It doesn't matter what they read. It doesn't matter what concert they go to. It doesn't matter who preaches to them. Until they lay it down. They will hear everything through the bitterness filter. Anger. Well, my dad did this to me when I was five. How old are you now? 65. Oh, that's 60 years of anger. How's it working for you? Lay it down. Saying, God, I trust you. Oh, wait a minute. God, I'll have faith that you've got a plan and a purpose. God, I'll have faith that this book is true. 
That Habakkuk wasn't just a prophet just for fun, just to have a great dialogue with God. It's a prophet for you to say, wow, that's what dialogue with God looks like. But let my heart come around to these words. Say, yeah, Lord, by faith, I'll follow you. By faith, I'll trust you. As you you keep on going, I want you to see uh, in chapter 3, I want you to see this, beginning of of chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. This is his prayer now. We've already seen his, his words to God. Now it's his prayer to God. Lord, I've heard of your faith. I stand in awe of your deeds. Oh, that's different. That's not the same as one and two. God, what are you doing? God, this isn't fair. God, you need to punish these people. God, what's your problem? God, those people are wicked. God, I've seen your deeds. I'm in awe of you. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Make them pay to remember mercy. I'm going to show you one other thing. Go to verse 17 of chapter 3. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will... Rejoice in the Lord. I want you to see what he's saying there. Because most of us, we don't, we're not living on farms. Most of us, we don't got sheep. We're not growing fig trees. But you know what he's saying? He's saying, you know what, as a farmer, God, if I've got nothing, if you provide nothing in my land, nothing in my trees, nothing in my flock, God, you provide nothing, God, this is what I'll do. I will rejoice in the Lord. And when he says rejoice, he's not talking about winning when the Cubs won the World Series. He's not talking about that type of joy. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about in the circumstances of life, he would say, God, it's not fair. It doesn't make sense. God, I'm hurt. God, I'm broken. But God, I come to you and I find joy in you. Because I know who you are, Dad. I know you're the rock. God, I know you're from everlasting. God, I know you can help me. And so this morning as you, as you sit here as part of, you know, the Bible Fellowship Church, you know, family, I think it's, it's vital and it's okay for us to have open communication with our God. He knows what's on your heart anyway, so say it to him. But I want you to be very careful with your filters. Because I know you all have. And I want you to be very careful with your filter when it comes in relationship with your God. My God does not owe me anything. He gave me life. 
And we live in entitlement. What are you going to give me today? He gave us everything that we needed on the cross. And so, and I don't want to... um, I don't want to set aside... I don't want us to walk past the hurts because I know pain. Oh, not physical pain. I know emotional pain. Deep down in my soul. And it doesn't go away overnight. Okay, I got that. I'm not asking you to walk around high-fiving each other saying we got it all together. Because we don't. Let's just be honest, we don't. But I also know something else. You don't like to ask for help. There's not most, there may be one or two people in this church that if we'd say right now, you don't mind asking for help, they would put their hand in the air. But the rest of us, we don't like asking for help. You know what God wants from you? Ask Him for help. He wants to help with your filter. He wants you to come to the cross, yeah, for salvation. We love that. But we know most of you, and you've got a relationship with Jesus. You would say you would. But that same old thing keeps coming back. Bring it to the cross. Surrender to him. Say it. it I guess I could wrap it all up in those two words. Trust God. And I'm not talking about a blanket statement. I'm talking about a God that I know. God that is from everlasting. A God when the thunder cracks, that's my God. The God that brought the sun up this morning, that's my God. And so no matter what it looks like, I can trust my God. If you would have said to me 25 years ago that Samaritan's Touch would come up with a concept called a shoebox I would have said that's probably the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life really God you normally when you talk people about Jesus you just send a missionary over there and then they go invest in people's lives and but I'm just thinking and I don't know which one of these I mean I can go through and look it'll say boy girl it'll say the age group but you know God already knows who's going to get this box he knows their name because he made them. And so do we just pack the shoebox just for the fun of it? Because it's our social duty and we won't want to be embarrassed that we didn't put a shoebox out here? Are we packing the shoebox because we know this boy right here or this girl will have a chance to hear about Jesus for the first time? Oh, it's probably going to be a pair of socks or pencils or can't put a whole lot of American stuff in a shoebox. See, my God doesn't work inside the box. My God works outside the box so you will know the power of our God. So this morning, do you trust Him? And we pass the microphone around. And, oh, yeah, we get the church answer. That's why I tell students, oh, yeah, give me the church answer. No, my other question, the next question is, do you really trust? Then lay down the filter.
lay down the glasses. Run to your father. He knows your pain. And don't fool yourself. You're not just hurting you. You're hurting us. Because you won't let your father have control. Because you won't surrender. But you won't give him permission. I close with this story. We moved into our house, and you've, you've heard me tell this before. And for some reason, God gave me two strong little children. And he gave them to them for me. And so my boy was young, and I don't know how he got started on something. And he made a comment and slammed his door and ran into his room. And I'm standing at his door thinking, and I'm, I'm furious. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to break the door down. That's really what I want to do. That's how mad I was. But then it's like this happening. If you break your hand, what are you going to tell the church? And so I stopped. I walked away. I went in my room. And I threw myself on the bed. Saying, why am I angry? He just made a comment. What's, what's wrong? I forget how old I was. It's like the Holy Spirit took me all the way back until I was six. That's why you're angry. Will you give it to me? So you can have it. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to hurt my boy. Because I'm angry. You did something. You allowed something to happen. So that I would care deeply for people. And I was mad. How do you know it? I can tell you today. I'm not finished with my angry, but I'm not angry, man. You know what's so cool? It's changed my boy. <laughs> and I would say, God, why is he angry? God said, because you're angry. I said, God, I don't want him to be angry. You set me free. I did. I laid the filter down. Lay it down. He wants to set you free. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather as family. Thank you for your word, for truth. God, now we know information. God, move it to our lifestyle. May we not just know that you're the God of everlasting. May we live that way. When we have the right to say life isn't fair, we'll be spiritually mature enough to say, I want my way. 
could just trust you. Father, thank you that we come and meet together as a family. Send us out, Holy Spirit, different. That our lives will be different. Thank you for this day. May your word impact our lives as we leave. In your name I pray. Amen.